Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Kaysen. With me today is financial advisor and money coach, Jody Lynn Craven. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. We are indeed. And actually, this is my a, a rare thing for me. I haven't been doing two podcasts in a day in a long time, but I, I, I did a podcast just one hour, started one hour ago on cryptocurrency, and now we're doing something on medicine back to back. So <laughs> if if my attention doesn't seem to be quite where it normally is, you'll understand why. But that's okay. I'll rally. We'll get through this okay. And it's really great because we have a fabulous guest joining us today. Her name is Dr. Amy Duffy. She is a specialist in integrative medicine. She has a book out, a bestseller called Normal Doesn't Have side effects. And she's going to be talking to us a bit about uh, what it is she does, um, what the whole concept is behind it, what the benefits are behind it. And we're going to have uh, sort of a general conversation about the state of medicine today. So Dr. Duffy, thank you for joining us on the program. And uh, we really appreciate you being here. I have to tell you before we get started here, I, was, I wasn't even sure you were getting my message. So when your, your, your face popped up on the screen, I said, oh, good, we have a guest today. This is wonderful. So, so thank you for being here. That's great. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. We love having you. So give us an idea of what integrative medicine is. Let's start with the basics. Um, there's several different definitions, but really what, what in my brain is the idea that you can take this, this spectrum where we have sort of the traditional medicine with what's your diagnosis and what's, you know, what's your pill that you need, you know, all the way to we need to approach, you know, the the other aspects of your human body. So your gut, your your diet, your exercise, um, and and sort of blend that together. So we can use the technology and the knowledge that we have in the traditional medical world in terms of um, more extensive testing and you know uh, the understanding of the physiology and the endocrinology and all that kind of stuff. But then utilize these modalities with, um, you know, chiropractor, massage therapy, um, you know, detoxing, supplements, diet, exercise, to blend those two things together to really optimize health and allow the patient, you know, to me, one of my favorite things is that, you know, the true Latin definition of doctor is teacher. So it's more about helping the patient understand what's going on with them. So it gives them the power. My job is to empower patients to know what's going on with them so that they can learn how to fix themselves. Because really, that's what the doctor of the future is going to be. You know, there's more and more, um, you know, people complaining, I can't find a doctor, there's nobody taking new patients and, um, or, you know, our healthcare system is really bogged down, you know, it's so busy and so over overworked for lack of a better word, you know, patients only have seven to 10 minutes to see their doctor. And it's usually let's refill your medication or up the dose or, you know, whatever. We can only talk about one thing today. You have to reschedule mm. your appointment to talk about something else. Right. right. So it never gives you the opportunity to spend the time that you need to help the patients really understand what's going on. So in our practice, most of our appointments are one hour long appointments. My consults are 90 minutes. So, you know, we spend a lot of time getting to know the patient understanding what's going on and then helping them to understand what's going on with them so that we can empower them to, you know, get the best help that they can. Which is a great thing. I love yeah, the fact, beautiful. I love the fact that you're talking about uh, doctors as teachers too, and that uh, there is a role for the patient to expand on that for a bit. What is, what is the role of a patient in, in this whole process? Um, really the patient is a person, you know, I mean, I know they're a patient coming to me, but rather than looking at them as, you know, another thing on my list to check off, you know, I got through that one, I got through that one, you know, which unfortunately, you know, I love all my friends who are doctors, but that's really what has happened mm -hmm. in our, in our world is it just becomes one more thing to take care of. And, you know, most of the time you're seeing your doctor like this because they've got their, you know, screen in front of them and they're answering questions on the, on the screen and sort of, you know, listening to you, that kind of stuff. So, you know, the patient's role is, is to be the learner for lack of a better word and the, and the, and the advocate for themselves to say, you know, a lot of our conversation, I'll say, I don't, I want to talk about what's going on with you. Right. But don't give it to me in a list of all your symptoms. I want to know how is this affecting your quality of life? You know, if you're having chronic pain or you're fatigued or you're not sleeping, how are you noticing that that's affecting you in your daily life? Are you not able to do this? You're not finding, you know, time to do that or, you know, GI symptoms, especially, you know, patients will say, 
I really can't go out anymore because I need to know where the bathroom is between my my house and, you know, wherever I'm going. And if I'm stuck in the store and I don't know where the bathroom is, I can have an accident. It's very embarrassing. And so I just don't go out anymore, you know. And if all they did is describe they're having, you know, 15 loose bowels a day, that's fine. But maybe we don't get to the bottom of how important is this for you to fix this. So they need to recognize for themselves how this is affecting their quality of life and not just looking for the short term, give me a pill that's going to make this go away, but I really want my quality of life to improve. So they become more involved. They need to be not just the pill taker and the, and the follower of the rules, but they need to become, you know, understanding how, how can they fix this for themselves? And it may be taking some pills that I recommend, but it really has to be about, okay, learning what are the foods that are causing my body stress? You know, food can either be your, your greatest form of medicine or can be your slowest form of poison. And if you know what foods you're eating that are poisoning you basically with full of chemicals or, you know, whatever's going on, then you're able to have the power to eliminate that. And then you make a choice, you know, it gives you the power to say, Hey, I really like this food, but I don't want to feel this way. And if you don't have that knowledge, then it's more about, you know, so much of food is based on weight, you know, people want to lose weight. So I shouldn't eat that because I want to lose weight. But it's not really the underlying reason, you know, there's got to be some other things going on there. So as they start to understand more about what foods may be causing some distress, what other imbalances may be happening. I started, I'm going to go off on tangents on all this stuff, but <laughs> I started, this whole thing started, we'll go back to the beginning with my story of um, when I was 17 years old, I was a babysitter for this family and they were having baby number two. And they actually invited me to be in the delivery room with them on Thanksgiving night when I was a senior in high school. So I got the call. It's starting to snow. I lived in Colorado at the time and I'm in the delivery room watching all this stuff happen. And I was up at the, at the head of the bed. I wasn't down in the business end. So, you know, I didn't see all the gory stuff, but you know, I got to see baby get come out and be placed on mom's chest. And I was like, this is amazing. This is what I want to do. I want to deliver babies. Mm -hmm. So I went to college. I went to medical school. I went to residency and I delivered babies. I have delivered over a thousand babies in my career, including giving birth mm -hmm. to four of my own. And um, when you're not delivering babies, you are doing women's health care in that field. Mm -hmm. So when I was in residency and kind of starting about 20 years ago, early on, there was a lot of controversy. There still is to some degree, but it was in the media with hormone replacement. And, you know, is this good? Is this bad? How should we do this? And nobody really know what to do with it. And, and it was conversations with patients. Either they wanted to get off of it or I wanted them off of it because I'm hearing, you know, the negative effects that we're seeing with this hormones. And and I didn't have good answers for them, you know, and I was like, we need no we need to know more. So I started researching a little bit and I found um, the the terminology of bioidentical hormones or natural hormone balancing. And I had never learned that in residency or even heard that it existed. So I went to a conference on natural natural hormone balancing. And that was like Alice in Wonderland going through that little tiny door into this <laughs> amazing rainforest of beauty and this whole world that I didn't even know existed. That was like, okay, well, it's pretty simple. Like you figure out what the imbalance is and you correct it back to normal, which is where my normal doesn't have side effects come from is, you know, if we're just trying to get things back to normal, you don't have to worry about the side effects we're experiencing. So that really started this process of thinking about testing and understanding really what's going on. Because before that, a woman comes in and she's having hot flashes and not sleeping and she's irritable and she wants to, you know, strangle everybody or whatever the case is with her menopause. And our only option was, okay, well, why don't you try this pill? Well, it was really, do you have a uterus? Yes or no. And then you go down this algorithm, right? So if you have a uterus, you need this pill. If you don't, you need this pill and try out the lowest dose. Let's see how it happens. Come back in six months. We'll tweak it up if we need to, you know, and it's all about just driving their symptoms. And there's no conversation about what's the why, you know, what are the imbalances going on? Mm -hmm. When I started thinking about those symptoms that way, and then replacing with, with natural hormones that are bioidentical, meaning the chemical structure is exactly the same as what your body recognizes, and it's not synthetic hormones, 
we start seeing results and results without the fear of the, the negative side effects that come, the cancers and the, and the strokes and the things that we heard about with these hormones. And then it's like, okay, well, if we can do that with hormones, we could do that with the gut and we can do that with, um, you know, the brain and the heart and all kinds of stuff. We can start to figure out where, what's going on, what's the imbalance, and then we fix it. So as patients start to understand, going back to your question initially, what is the patient, you know, they, they become, um, you know, the person who can understand what the process is and what's going on and then more apt to be compliant with, with fixing it and not be afraid that this, this recommendation, whatever it might be, is going to harm them. Of course, my uh, co-host today is Jody Lynn Craven, who uh, is an expert in the financial field. And Jody, yeah. as uh, Dr. Duffy was talking here, I, I, I heard a real parallel because when you and I talk about helping people financially, you're doing the exact same thing. You're trying yeah. to engage them in the process of what it's going to take to fix their financial issues. I mean, did, did you sense the same parallel I was sensing there? A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Giving people their own power back so they can... You- fix it. And it's, it's really beautiful, Dr. Duffy, hearing that you're doing this. And, you know, I've, I've had a, a four year journey of, of not being able to conceive and it's been frustrating because you, the experience that yeah. you described about helping the person figure it out, not the experience that I have described, <laughs> right. you know, like it, it's, that's just so well, they're going through their algorithm. I mean, they're saying, okay, we're going to start here. And if that doesn't work, we'll start here. And if that doesn't work, we'll start here. But they never, you know, why didn't you just figure out what might be going on so we can start at the place that actually might help, you know, yep. I mean, I, I, it didn't do infertility, but I know exactly what that what that process looks like. So mm-hmm. they just jump, yeah, jump to the drugs. Sense. Like, let's yeah. just go there. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> there should be steps. <laughs> and I think it, it, it I agree. Like I mean, I think there are, you know, in the financial world, it's the same idea, you know, it's mm-hmm. okay. I'm struggling and, and, you know, you can go to an accountant and they tell you, well, this, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a financial person, but I get it. You You're know, right. with, yeah. you've got to, you've got to start looking at what's, how is this affecting your quality of life? How important is it for you? What what do you envision for your future? You know, mm-hmm. so that helps you from a money perspective. How much money do we need? You know, yeah. you got to start with where's your goal. So, uh, you know, in my conversation, it's one: how are these symptoms affecting your quality of life? And then two: where do we want to go? What does optimal health look like for you? What does that mean? I'm having grandkids. I want to be, you know, hiking and biking and kayaking on the lake with my grandkids, or I you know, I want to travel. And right now I can't imagine getting on a plane and walking through the airport. My feet hurt so bad or whatever, (laughs) you know, so you got to kind of get to that place where what is your, what is your ultimate goal? And then you can set forward the steps that are going to get there. By the way, I wanted to let you know, we do tangents here all the time. So you're fine being out on the tangent. We don't have to be in the center of the bullseye all the time. It's quite all right. (laughs) Just to get, just to put your mind at ease. Um, I'm also very intrigued in what we're talking about here in terms of the role of the patient in that. And I'd like to explore one particular area that Jody and I have talked about on the financial side. I'm curious to know about it on the medical side. And that is the mindset of the patient or the mindset of the person whose financial problems are being solved. Jody finds, I mean, this is a story you should be telling Jody rather than me, but you find you have to actually help the person work on their mindset before you can actually help them. A hundred percent. Yeah. Do you find the same Dr. Duffy? Absolutely. And that's what I was getting to, you know, if they're not clear on what that vision looks like and their only goal is to stop their symptom, then they're less likely to, you know, so for you, it's like, okay, my only goal is to be able to pay my bill next week. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to do the things that they need to do to get to the place where, you know, you know, you talk about saving and budgeting or whatever, whatever you guys talk about, but we're kind of in the same boat where it's, you know, if they're coming in and they're saying, I just need you to fix my pain, or I just need you to fix my reflux or Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about the fact that I'm overweight or I'm not sleeping or I'm doing this where I'm talking about, you know, in my book, those are all interrelated together. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> you know, they really have to be clear. And and it takes a lot of work, you know, before a patient gets in front of me, you, you don't just get to, you know, call and say, I want an appointment with Dr. Duffy, you know, because that's a 90 minute appointment is a lot of my time. And so, mm-hmm. 
there's a lot of conversation that happens. There's videos people watch, there's webinars they do, and then they get to one of my staff members and they do a discovery call, which is a 30 minute conversation that's free. That's just, you know, we're asking those questions. What are your symptoms? What are your goals? What have you done? You know, and, and where do you want to be? And then we talk about what that looks like and which, which direction they need to go with us. Mm. So, you know, and, and I mean, you can imagine that not everybody on that discovery call is ready, you know, to, mm. to do the work that it takes to get there. And that's what um, I was just going to say is that in the financial world, a lot of people don't even know how they feel about mm-hmm. money. Like, what do you mean? What do I feel? <laughs> I could see yeah. the same thing in what yeah. you're doing. And we talk a lot about in, you know, in my book, this is what I talk about is the five pillars of health, um, which is gut health and detox, nutrition, uh, hormones, because hormones are super important in my book. That's what started this whole process. Fitness, we got to move our bodies somehow or another. And then it's, it's the mindset, stress management, mindset, mentoring kind of goes together in number five, but it's, you, you got to have the brain, the brain ready to go or, or at least work on that part. You know, I can't, fix these other things. If you're over here stressed out all the time, it's not going to allow things to work the way that they're supposed to. So we do a lot of work in stress management mindset and, and mentoring. I tell people all the time, like, you know, uh, even professional athletes have coaches, right? I'm sure you, you know, Jody, for sure, you know, you've had some financial person ahead of you that has had experience and they've coached you through how to learn. You know, we've had professors in college and all this kind of stuff. So why do we just expect that people should know how to be healthy and Mm -hmm. be able to do it without any coaching or any support? So, you know, that's a huge part of what we do. I have health coaches and, and we work through those steps and those stages and, and have that mentoring and support system there because nobody who's successful has ever done anything really that I can imagine without having some sort of coach or mentor ahead of them that helped guide them there. Mm-hmm. There's an excellent question in what you just said, and I want to bring it out. What is the mindset of health? Um, so one of my, f- I've, I've got all kinds of fun quotes, so I've used a couple of them. <laughs> That's already. okay. We do, we do that yeah. all the time, so you're fine. The true definition of health is not having to think about it. Ah. That's a great quote. You know, so it is, I don't want to have to think about you know, do I know where all the bathrooms are? I don't want to have to think about, can I go on this trip and am I going to physically be able to, you know, navigate through the airport or navigate through, you know, the, the streets of uh, Rome or wherever somebody wants to go, or I don't know, you know, I'm just making stuff up, but, or, you know, I'm, I'm noticing that I have to say no more often. Like my grand, you know, my daughter wants my grandkids to come over and, you know, have me keep them for the weekend. And I'm, I want to say yes, because I love my grandkids, but I have to say no, because physically I can't do that. Yeah. So it's not about having a symptom. It's about, again, how is that symptom affecting your quality of life? And if you're not living your life, you're surviving. And what does that look like? You know, what, what is fun for you? And a lot of people say, I don't know. I don't know how to have fun anymore. I quit doing that a long time ago because all I do is go to work and I come home and I sit on my couch until I have to start the process over again the next day. Mm-hmm. So what everybody's definition of health is different. You know, what does optimal health look like? It means I don't have to think about the things that keep me from doing what I want to do. Now you might not want to jump out of an airplane unless you're crazy. Some people are, and that's fine. <laughs> Um, Hopefully they you know, do it with a parachute. That's, that's a actually a little safer. Right. A whole different question of, you know, <laughs> safety as opposed to, you know, I just want to go for a hike and am I capable of doing that? Mm, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. What what also is um, the role of belief about having control over their own health, over their own life? What role yeah. does that play in the process? Uh, it absolutely, it's a huge role. And I think that's probably one that we have to work towards helping people understand because the, again, you know, what's ingrained in us in the healthcare system, the way it is now is that there is no, no power in the patient, um, in that, mm-hmm. in that setting. And so their belief is what's my diagnosis. You know, I have patients all the time that come in and I'm going through their, their lab results that we've done. And I'm talking to them about, what's happening and all the things that we need to address. And I've gone over the five pillars of health and where, you know, where their issues are. And then they, at the end, they go, well, what's my diagnosis? Mm. I'm like, 
one, I don't know. And two, does it matter? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've just explained all these things that are out of balance for you and all the, th- all the things that we want to do to get it back so that you can have this optimal quality of life. And they're still stuck with, I need, I need to label it as something, mm-hmm. you know, cause how am I going to take this home to my husband or my family and say, this is what she told me I have. Right. And, and that's, a hard thing to break through for some people because they need, they need that label to sort of validate their symptoms, you know, that they're, Mm -hmm. they're experiencing. And I would love for our belief system to get away from, you know, what's the diagnosis because that's followed by what's the prescription for the treatment, you know? And, and I think that's a hard thing to fight and, you know, whether it's other medical people who don't understand what I'm doing. And so they go, Oh, that's just voodoo or that's, you know, that's hocus pocus medicine. You know, you don't want to go there. They don't know what they're doing there because they're using supplements and we don't even know what supplements do. And, you know, there's no evidence behind that. You know, there's a lot of conversation about that stuff. Um, And, you know, okay, they can have their belief, but I got people all the time that come in and they want what I have because they're not, just like you experienced, Jody, and they're not, you're not getting it from the mm-hmm. traditional medical system. And sometimes people have to live in that space for a long time to recognize that it's not helping. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think we're not asked as, as a patient, I, I, you know, we're not encouraged to ask any sort of questions or to understand. It's right. kind of just like the financial industry, pat them on the head. You've got this, mm-hmm. here's this Go. That's yeah. it. And it's so discouraging for somebody who is naturally curious like me. I want to know what's going on. I can't see it. You can because you got these fancy machines. Like, right. tell me, what does that mean? I always ask 101 yep. questions. <laughs> I think that's good, you know. And I'm learning because, okay, I went to medical school and, you know, doctoring stuff. And so I don't know anything about finances. And then I, you know, opened my own business. I'm like, okay, I need a mentor. You know, I need I need a business coach to help me because I have no idea what I'm doing. And, you know, I went through three different accountants before I found one who actually helps me instead of just sharing the numbers. I, mean, I, don't, I could have read that report. I don't need you to just tell me how much money is in the bank last quarter compared to the quarter before. Like, analyze that. Tell me what that means. And and if you want it to be better, then what are the things that we need to do? You know, and so I'm I have to go through that process myself because I'm sure that there's just like you described, you know, there are financial people who just do the system and, and yeah. go through the motions. And then there's those that are like actually there to say, let's, let's dig through this and talk about what the goals are and, and what are the steps we need to do to get there. Mm-hmm. I'm also fascinated by what you were describing about the resistance within the broader medical community to things yeah. that you're doing, let alone to things that pe- people further out on the fringes are doing. And, and the, I guess the question that comes to my mind is, what do you think it's going to take for that to shift? I don't know. Um, so if you go to my, my website or my uh, Facebook, I had the opportunity to meet Dr. Oz, Mehmet Oz, who is now running for Senate, right? And mm-hmm. so when I met with him, that's one of the questions that I asked. I said, you know, oh. is there any, do you think there's any way in the future that we're going to be able to um, encourage or promote insurance, particularly to support this idea of wellness and and looking at that bigger picture? And it's not preventative health because preventative health is, screening, you know, for getting your mammogram or getting your colonoscopy or whatever. And that's not preventing anything. It's just early detection of disease. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's important. I'm not saying that don't go do those things, but it's not in in your mind. The word prevention is really not the right word for those things. Right. So especially during this, this whole craziness of the pandemic, right. We knew that the people who were sicker, you know, with, with, chronic disease, diabetics, heart disease, whatnot, were more likely to be affected by mm. this this illness than the, the rest of the population. And yet, unfortunately, there wasn't a whole lot of conversation from our mass media and whatnot to say, hey, how can we help this process instead of masking up and social distancing? Why don't we start working on improving our health so that we can minimize our risk? Mm, and even then, we, we get 
we have to be careful about talking about supplements and, you know, things that could help support your immune system because oh, those yeah. haven't been proven by the FDA, right? So, you know, we could go off on that whole tangent. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Well, there's a lot um, of tangents we can go off on. <laughs> my point is, you know, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, we try. There, You know, there's conferences out there that I attend that have well over 2,000 doctors there who have, you know, interest or mindset like I do. So I know that there are some of us, but if you compare that to, I don't know how many million doctors we have in the U.S. alone, you know, that's a drop in the ocean. And so I think that it's getting more popular. I just don't know whether it's going to be able to overcome the detriment of the healthcare system right now and the, and the health of our country. I mean, you know, a third, I don't even remember my statistics off the top of my head, but I mean, it's like billions and trillions of dollars are spent on chronic health um, diseases. And, and if we could even take a portion of that and do, you know, help to support what I do and start early in educating people on, you know, how to take care of yourself and, and looking mm -hmm. at some of these things, I think that that could really shift. And I think that, and, and I don't know, Jody Lynn, if you're seeing this in your, in your system, but there, you know, there are more and more people who are saying, man, I've heard about this stuff before and I've been interested, but I didn't really know what it meant or, um, I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know there were doctors that did that. You know, a lot of mm -hmm. people understand that you could take some supplements or you could see a nutritionist or, you know, something like that. But the, but, but to have an MD that's doing it, you know, gives it some, authority for lack of a better word. I mean, it gives, mm -hmm. it gives them some comfort that I'm not doing voodoo medicine, you know, I'm not doing crazy things because, you know, I remember in residency when we talked about supplements, I remember very clearly one of my <clears throat> attending physicians was very adamant about making sure that we get a list of, you know, patient medications, but also a list of the supplements made basically so that we could tell them to stop taking their supplements in case it interfered with the medication we were going to prescribe. So it wasn't, <coughs> sorry, we got a lot of pollen here. Mm. It wasn't, you know, to help support or to understand what those supplements are used for, but it was more about, we need to know so we can tell them to stop taking it basically. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like you as, as a patient and learning and like the, the contrast or the, the similarities between the two industries. I see this both in the medical side, but also the financial side is when you start to do something different, there's this like portion or time period of time where you're shunned. And uh, I mean, I think I've seen that in the financial industry when you start doing things differently, working with the law of attraction or whatever. They're like, oh, you're a voodoo weirdo. <laughs> like that stuff doesn't work. But now in the, in the medical industry, especially now, um, anybody that seems to be questioning anything, especially right now in this time seems mm -hmm. to be getting canceled mm -hmm. and like, you're stupid. I, I mean, you can't even ask a simple question anymore without some of these, these institutions or whatever, making fun of you and mocking you and trying to put you yeah. down because you're not, you don't have a, an M and a D behind your name. And that's really sad. Yeah, it is. And I have, you know, one of my mentors talks about if you're, um, if you get people who start complaining about you or something like that, then you know you're actually doing something important. Yeah. <laughs> right? You're making um, waves. Yeah. Right. You're making, you know, and, and if you try to stay in the middle and make everybody happy, then you're probably not really doing much of anything, you know? So yeah. I, occasionally I don't, I don't get a lot, you know, I'm, I live in a really small town. And so most of my colleagues know me and support me, you know, do they send all their patients my way when they need help? Not necessarily, but they don't, you know, they don't knock it down. Um, occasionally, when it's somebody that doesn't know who I am, uh, for instance, I might have somebody who's starting a program with us and we've got them doing, you know, some supplements and going through a detox and then they end up at their regular doctor. Like we had this a couple months ago, somebody that's on insulin for diabetes, right? And so she starts having low blood sugar because we've fixed the underlying issue, right? And therefore she doesn't need so much insulin. And so we've talked, talked with her about, I'm not her doctor for her insulin, right? So I said, you need to talk, you know, let's talk to your doctor about reducing your insulin and, and helping to manage that. So when she had the conversation with the doctor, the doctor literally 
told her to quit doing this program because it was dangerous and it was causing her to have low blood sugar. Wow. And that she needed to get an insulin pump. And so she wanted to quit her program and get a refund so that she could afford to buy the insulin pump. I was like, I had three or four phone conversations with her, you know, trying to help her understand this is a good thing. You know, it's scary because they're not used to people getting better. Right. Mm-hmm. So in that system, somebody's having low blood sugar there, that scares them and they're not used to people getting better. And so they don't want to make mm-hmm. changes. They want to go, they want to keep them in that, just stay mm-hmm. in this lane, you know, stay on your insulin and, you know, don't do anything that's going to, you know, rock the boat one way or the other. And I'm just like, I felt so bad for her, but I could not, uh, ultimately she did. She, she dropped out of our process, even though she felt better, she had less pain, she was losing weight, she was sleeping better. And I went through this. I'm like, are you feeling better? You know, but this doctor who had been her doctor for a long time, and she had a lot of trust in them, told her to quit because it was making her have low blood sugar. Mm-hmm. It's, so it's really... a classic example of, of, you know, what, what patients are experiencing and, I don't know that they were saying bad things about me necessarily. They didn't understand. And I, I offered multiple times, say, do you want me to have a conversation with that doctor so they know what we're doing? Because we're not, we're not doing anything crazy. We're, mm. you know, we're changing the way you eat and fixing your gut and we're reducing inflammation. You know, I didn't have her on any supplements for blood sugar or anything like that. It was very simple stuff and she was getting great results. But it, it's you know. really interesting yeah. because what you're describing is, is, it fits into an overall topic that we talk about a lot, and that is uh, fear pervasive atmospheres. Yeah. Because that's, that's what you're describing. Within the medical industry, in this case, there's a, a pervasive fear atmosphere. Now, I would pr- submit that it's partly due to the way the system itself is set up, but we could debate that one. But whatever mm-hmm. the cause is, it is, it, it's endemic and it is not showing any really significant signs of shifting. It's yeah. showing small signs, but yeah. nothing really big. And that's you know, kind of discouraging. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't know how many new patients I have, but, you know, I mean, I, again, I think it's a drop in the ocean compared to the whole entire population. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are those few people who are starting to recognize, you know, what we're doing and want, want that approach. Mm-hmm. But I think in the mainstream medicine, it's still out there. Mm-hmm. I, I think I part of it. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Jenny. I was just going to say, I know for me that over this last two years, I never questioned I never asked any questions about my health. I'm healthy, so I didn't think about it, right? And and then going through the journey of uh, having an ectopic pregnancy and all of that stuff, and then the pandemic and and all of that, I really stopped and just took a moment and started asking some really quality questions. Why do I take the supplements that I'm taking? Or like, why do I do the things that I do? What do I even know about my own body? And how can I start to lean into that? So I think... The industry is really primed for this big change, and I'm hopeful for it. I think meeting people like you makes me even more hopeful that we're going down the right track because you do have credibility and because you have that title, you can, you know, you have that credibility there and it makes me feel good. Like, yes, she's out there doing this. (laughs) It's possible for me to find somebody that's close to me too. Yeah. Well, and I think that go when I, you know, back to kind of originally was talking about testing and, you know, there's a difference between what, you know, sort of traditional doctors test for because they're looking for disease, right? You know, and, and I may be able to find something that is there before it gets to the point of being a disease state. So their, their traditional medicine labs that they're getting done are normal, right? You don't have this, you don't have that. So there's nothing there that is explaining why they have a symptom because it hasn't become a disease state yet. So if we can use some of our uh, more extensive, comprehensive, digging deeper labs that could help us understand where is that coming from, you know, it would give us a lot more data to be able to say, this is what the imbalance is that's creating this, you know, and, and, and generally speaking, it's not going to be one thing, you know. It might be your gut and your liver is not metabolizing your hormones appropriately and it's not allowing them to be ready and available to do the things that they need to do. And so, you know, it's not about just hormones and shooting you up with, you know, injections and whatnot. It's 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 getting deeper into where where is the ultimate source if we can find that. 
One thing I'm curious to get your opinion about is uh, something that is is a fairly significant uh, area of interest for me, uh, the role of placebo and nocebo. And the amount of research that has been done on that has been fairly extensive where uh, pain situations are concerned. It's it's, Mm -hmm. it's actually, it's pretty impressive how much research has been done in that way. Um, In fact, I was was sharing with Jody just before you hooked in here to the podcast how um, there have been a number of different studies where the placebo was actually more effective than the medication, which was just amazing. (laughs) um, Well, that kind of goes back to our our conversation about mindset and belief. Right. right? Yeah. And I really, literally, I have had some patients where, um, you know, I, this may be where you're talking voodoo stuff, but it's like, if they're looking at this pill that they're prescribed by a doctor and they don't like the idea of taking that pill and it has a negative energy. So they're staring at it in their mouth and they're going, Oh, I wish I didn't have to take this pill, but they pop it because they're doing what they're supposed to do. Is it going to work for them? You know, is it, is the body going to actually do, you know, or, or even if the chemicals are working, you know, the way that they're supposed to, maybe it's an antidepressant, you know, I don't want to be on this, but I don't want to feel the way I feel. I don't like the idea of it, but I got to do something, you know, and they're taking this pill every day, but it has a negative connotation for them. Then that's what's the opposite of placebo. I don't know. I mean, it's like, oh, it's nocebo, I believe. You know, I, think, nocebo, I, think yeah. I mean, it's yeah. going to be, it's going to be something they're more likely to say it doesn't work or they're more likely to have a side effect because they need an excuse to say, I don't want this pill. Mm -hmm. And they're creating it. Yeah. They're creating it themselves. And I think that our mindset plays a huge role in that. And and the same thing Mm -hmm. with pain meds. And, you know, there's so many people who could do, uh, you know, different modalities, whether it's energy work, you know, acupuncture, things like that. We're not changing the anatomy of their back. You know, Mm -hmm. we're just helping their brain not feel, fuel it anymore or get that signal, you know, that kind of thing. So, so which is I a big deal. That's a very big deal. There's a huge deal. We have, um, a, a person who does hypnotherapy that we're starting to work with, um, in our practice. And I'm kind of fascinated by it. I, we, she just literally like been in the last three or three or four months that we've been talking with her. Um, and you know, she went on this whole, the idea of hypnosis, you know, is like, you know, it used to be used for entertainment purposes where they would, you know, hypnotize people and they'd go on stage and do crazy stuff. And so it's given them a really bad rap, but she's talking about being able to get people into that, that brainwave state where, where they can feel emotion, but they can also, um, suggestive therapy can go in and say, you know, you don't have to have these negative feelings. You don't have to, you know, you don't need food to feel better. You know, that kind of thing. We're talking about mm. somebody who's trying to lose weight and struggling with food cravings and stuff like that. So I don't know enough about it to really comment. I just think sure. it's a really cool thing. No, um, and I think that it could be a great uh, modality when we're talking about that mindset and belief for some people. You know, sometimes I've even said it myself when somebody, even on our program, will complain. It's not working. You know, I've only lost 10 pounds and I thought I was going to lose 30 and it's not working. It's not working. You know, sometimes I'll even say to myself or, you know, somebody, I don't know if they really want to get better, you know? Mm, yeah. And That's sometimes if somebody's been in a state for so long, you know, whether it's chronic pain or whatever their case is, they, that's how they identify. And that's Mm -hmm. like the patient who needed a diagnosis. You know, they, they identify as, as a victim for lack of a better word, but, you know, as somebody who's in pain or somebody Mm -hmm. who's sick all the time. And so they want to feel that, you know, when you ask them and they say, oh yeah, I would love to not be in pain anymore. And I would love to be able to do all these things, but they can't quite get past whatever, whatever that mindset is that it won't let them heal. You're reminding me of a conversation that I got involved with. Now, this wasn't with doctors or anything like that. This is just average people in a Facebook group. But they were it's a group that's devoted to trying to help people with, you know, I'm dealing with this kind of health issue or mental health issue or something like that. You know, got any ideas what I can do, that kind of a thing. And uh, I, I I saw this one post where they were they were listing all these different conditions they were dealing with. And, and it was just like one medical crisis after another. And I kept thinking to myself, wow, where's the mindset in all this? So I made a, a comment to that effect. And I got a really interesting comment back from somebody else who was queuing in, listening to the thing and, and saying, well, that was the craziest thing I've ever seen, thinking that mindset plays a role in medicine. I mean, I was just laughing my ass off at that. You are, that's just total bullshit. And I thought to myself, wow, <laughs> boy, is that really endemic, of, you know, an indication of what's going on 
yeah. with the mentality of people in the in the population as a whole. They they actually think that mindset doesn't even apply. And I yeah. thought to myself, do, what do they think a positive bedside manner is anyway? But yeah. you know, um, yeah. they probably don't have one. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> It's all about the anatomy. They're probably a surgeon, you know, I mean, it's just all about the anatomy and, you know, we can fix it by cutting it and, you know, that kind of thing. And there's very little conversation about Which other is, options, you know, like, yeah. it's just nuts. Yeah, I mean, you were, you were talking about the pill and, you know, I don't want to take it and how it's kind of like a counterintuitive when you do take it. Yeah. We've seen studies before. I've seen studies before where you take water and, you know, you say hateful things to it and then you freeze it. Or you take water and then you say beautiful, loving things to it and then you freeze it and it changes like the way that the crystals are formed and we're mostly water. So how is the mindset not playing a role? <laughs> it is on everything. You know, energy, energy is not visible, but it's definitely felt and, you know, in whatever sense, um, my oldest daughter is 21 and is actually in school to be an energy healer. And mm. I just think it's, you know, I love it because she's kind of going down my path in a different way, but I mean, it just makes total sense and that you can, you know, and whether you need somebody to, to help move your energy for you, or you can learn to do it yourself. Um, I think that there's definitely something there, you know, to, to, you know, not only the energy, but like you said, that, that mindset, it obviously plays a role in, in how things interact with each other. Because yeah. yeah, we, we really have two different kinds of mindsets here. There's the mindset of the patient, and then there's the mindset of the healer. Mm-hmm. And, and they're both playing significant roles. I mean, you, you described very eloquently how your own experience within mainstream medicine, their own reaction to you, the mindset was so rigid. Excuse me for saying so. So anti-science. That's how rigid that mindset mm-hmm. is. Forget the science. There's no evidence. Well, yeah, there's no studies. Yeah, but there's no evidence. <laughs> like. Totally rejecting any possibility. Like, whoa, what kind of a mindset is that? Mm -hmm. I I remember. I think it needs to be addressed. I don't know if this was out there in kind of the mainstream um, uh, media at this time, but this is literally 20, you know, maybe 18 years ago. uh, Baby number two is 18. I was in residency at the time. So where they changed the rules for residents that that they made an 80-hour work week rule that you could not go over 80 hours, that that was, you know, considered unethical or whatever the case is. So prior to that rule being made, there was no, there was no limit to the amount of hours that a resident could work. So if that's what we're being trained and there were some people that were like, Oh, thank goodness, this is happening. And, and the people who were so pissed off about that rule were you know, the older people who are like, I went through and I was working, you know, 150 hours a week on, you know, sleeping in the hospital for weeks on end. And, you know, they couldn't, they were so angry that the, that the new people didn't have to get, go through that torture, right. Or whatever you want to call it. And that, you know, are they going to be able to really learn if they're not in the hospital (laughs) enough hours? Wow. And, and it was a lot of controversy about that rule that was made. And, you know, ultimately though, when you really think about it, like, do you want to be in the ER with a doctor who's been, you know, not really hour in that week or whatever the case is. I'm not even comfortable with 80 hours. I'd like 40 hours, please. Like, (laughs) you know, you start thinking about self care for the provider, you know, I mean, no wonder they're all cranky and irritable and, you know, and now on top of that, we've got so many, that's what, you know, going back to the, you know, everybody's on their laptop or their iPad or whatever the computer system is that they're using and, and thank, thankful for the healthcare industry and the, and the insurance industry who's created all these rules about all the, all the boxes you have to check and all the things that you have to, you know, be compliant in order for this to be covered by, mm. by insurance, right? Mm-hmm. So all they're doing is documenting all day long, you know, and, and you got to get your charts in within 24 hours or it won't be paid. And, and so they're just miserable because all they're doing is they're, they can't take care of patients when, when they're regulated that, that strongly. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that those things are not important to document. I'm just saying it, it becomes the, the whole purpose of documentation was to be able to doc, to communicate, you know, either to right. yourself, 
to remind yourself the last time you saw the patient, this is what you talked about and or communicate with your colleagues. Right. If you, you know, you need to see your note or something, it should never have gotten to the point of this is how we get paid. It, it reminds me of a story told by um, Sean Aker, who's one of the leaders of the positive psychology movement. He, he tells a story about how um, he gave a talk someplace. And after the talk, one of the members of the audience comes up and talks to him and says, I'm a sleep researcher, and I was loving the stuff that you were talking about because it ties in so nicely to my field. And he was going, he was waxing eloquently about how important it is to get, you know, eight hours of sleep every night. You want to make sure it's quality sleep and so forth. And, and at one point, Sean said to him, well, you didn't look like you didn't get a whole lot of sleep yourself. I mean, you're looking kind of tired. He says, I'm a sleep researcher. I watch other people sleep. I don't get a lot of sleep. And Sean <laughs> thought to himself, wait a minute. You're not even practicing what you're, you're preaching. What's going on here? Well, and you have, you know, um, another quote that just came to mind is um, from Hal Elrod, who's the, who's the author of The Miracle Morning and The Miracle Equation. I don't know if you've read that book or heard about it. Um, and I got to meet him at Carnegie Hall and he, he has a quote that he says, you owe it to those you love to be at the pe best potential that you can be so you can help them be at their best potential. And that, you know, whether that's in my field, you know, I can't provide for my patients if I'm a mess, you know, uh, you know, physically, mentally, whatever, you mm -hmm. know, and I can't be a good mom to my kids. And the, this usually is, is to parenting, you know, that, that you need to take care of yourself, you know you get in the, in the airplane and they talk about, you know, this mask is going to come down and you need to, you need to put your own mask on first before you try to assist others. Because right. if you can't breathe, you can't help yourself or them. So it's the same kind of ideas right. that, you know, we practice um, in my, in my office, you know, our staff is very much connected to what we do. Everybody goes through a program of their own. They've all done the testing that we do so they can help understand, you know, help explain to the patients if they're having any questions or issues. Um, you know, we do meditation as, as part of our staff meeting. We start every single staff meeting every week with a 10 minute meditation or yoga session. Um, we all worked out at the gym yesterday together at 5 PM. So, you know, we practice what we preach because we have to be at our best potential and our office is closed on Fridays. Um, and, and part of that is because I want them to be here a hundred percent when they're here. And so, that allows them time to say, okay, I can do all these errands and make, you know, appointments or whatever with, with other doctors that are open on Fridays. Cause a lot of times <laughs> that happens. But anyway, my point is we don't close on Fridays just because we want to loll lollygag around. I mean, it's, it's an intentional thing that says that way you can go get your self care things done or things that you need to do errands. You need to run, pay your bills, whatever you got to do. You do that on Fridays and, you know, you're here 110% when you're here. So we can be at our best potential so we can help our patients the best. And if we're not taking mm -hmm. care of ourselves, we're, we're not going to be any good for anybody. It raises an interesting question in my mind. Wouldn't this be a really cool question to ask when you're, uh, well, like you pointed out, it's often hard to get a doctor just because most aren't taking patients. But if you could actually select between your doctors, wouldn't it be cool to ask your doctor how much self-care he or she is engaged in? Oh, yeah. It's probably minimal. Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah. But wouldn't it be great if that it actually maybe less a, a now, but I remember working in the ER when I was in college as a tech and, and I mean, all the doctors would go out on the, on the landing and smoke their cigarettes on their breaks, you know? Mm, yeah. So they're in there, you know, with patients with heart attacks, telling the patients they need to quit smoking and, you know, eat better and take care of themselves. And, and you'll find a rare one that is, is, you know, on the health track, but, but a lot of them are stressed out, you know? And so what are they doing there? they're leading to medications or to food, you know, they're, if they're busy, how do you have time in the 80 hour work week to actually, you know, eat a, eat a meal or take a, you know, eat a salad or make a meal for yourself. You know, you're, mm -hmm. you're in fast food row and vending machines. Yeah. <laughs> what the, the scenario, you're like, it's almost laying out a bleak scenario. I mean, I know you're not intending to do that, but it, it, it seems kind of bleak. Like, oh my God, no wonder there's so much problem going on here. It's just, it, it's almost a self-evident thing. Well, I'll tell Amazing. you, interestingly, I, you know, knock on wood and luckily my story is different in that, you know, I kind of found this for my patients in terms of the frustration with, with the hormone system and needing mm -hmm. to find another way. And then that led me to other things. And, you know, certainly I'm not sure where I would be. I mean, I, I, um, 
you know, not only did I go through medical school in, in the over 80 hour work week and whatnot, but I had <laughs> baby number one, third year of medical school, baby number two, first year of residency, wow. baby number three, first year out of residency, wow. and then Oof. baby number four, 20 months later. Decades. So mm. I think I would figure out how that worked in the OBGYN office, but you know. Yeah. Um, um, anyway, congratulations on surviving that, by the way. Yeah, survived. <laughs> they're all good. They're healthy. They're happy. And and now I own my own business and, you know, um, single mom taking care of four kids. So, mm. you know, I've seen stress and, yeah. and, you know, there were times when I wasn't sleeping, but I just thought that was normal. You know, I mean, I didn't, I wouldn't have gone to the doctor and said, I'm not sleeping and I need a pill. I just thought that's what busy people do, you know? Um, and I, I tended, I've always had to um, work hard to maintain a, an appropriate weight. So it's very easy for me to slip off, not exercising and whatnot. Um, and, and I think that that had a lot to do with stress when I practice my self care and I'm doing the things that I need to do. And even without vigorous exercise, I can maintain weight in a normal place because I'm not so stressed out anymore. And I, and I purposefully am building my practice and, and my life around what does that look like? You know, and that's the beauty of being my own boss is I can create my own schedule, which is very nice. And not everybody has that opportunity, but I wish that that was part of the medical system is paying more attention to, you know, what that work week looks like and, and building in more time for people to take care of themselves. Cause you know, stress is abundant and it's there. And, um, my point with all that, okay. So I experienced stress and whatnot and, and, and I'm not saying it's fixed by any means. I still have sure. three kids at home and, and I told myself I'm going to stop saying busy all the time because busy is <laughs> negative. So in, yeah. you know, really was like Christmas was busy, you know, and everybody said, Oh, no, no. I'm like, I wish I wasn't so busy. I don't have time to go shopping for gifts for my sister who lives in, Timbuktu or whatever, you know, and like, she's already sending me a box with stuff and it's three weeks before Christmas. And I'm like, ah, how do you have time to do this? You know, so I'm still busy, but I really was saying to myself, I'm not going to say that I'm busy anymore because people used to say, how are you? And I'd say, oh my God, I'm so busy. You know, mm. it's not a good answer. And what is, what am I saying to myself? You know, and I'm yeah. really saying, okay, does that mean you want life to be boring, you know, what does that look like? Because I've got kids that are all playing sports. I own my own business. You know, I play tennis, I do my own thing. And so my life is going to be full and it doesn't mean that that has to be negative. Mm -hmm. So I quit saying busy and I find other words, you know, that are, I'm amazing. I'm, you know, everything's going great or whatever the case is trying to have my own positive mindset. My point is that that led me to that is, when I said, you know, there's, there's these conferences I go to and there's thousands of doctors that are there that are learning this integrative functional medicine approach, whatever you want to call it. A majority of them, their story is because they had their own health struggle. Yes. And it was not solved in the traditional medical way. And they figured it out. You know, they, they went through whatever struggles they went through and, and trial and tribulations to get to the point where they found the alternative approach that helped them through their, whatever their health condition was. And then they were like, Whoa, this is pretty cool. Like I should be doing this for my patients. And then they start learning and they go through that whole process. And I would say 90% of the doctors that I meet that are colleagues of mine in, in the integrative functional field, fall into that category that they they helped their own health condition through integrative medicine and therefore now that's what they do in their practice it also leads me to think that to kind of answer the question we were asking before what's it going to take for change to take place i think perhaps part of the answer is that because change is taking place among some doctors the the chain of change is beginning and yeah. it has been beginning for quite some time, but I think it's starting to gain some momentum. Not momentum necessarily that the mainstream is going to see in a big way right now. Although, even now, when you go to a doctor's appointment, the doctor's actually a little bit more aware of some of the things that the patients are looking at than he used to be. Yeah. used to be he just ignored all that stuff. Now it's like, <laughs> oh, you heard about that supplement, did you? Yeah. It's that kind. Of, so the conversation is shifting 
a little bit. So it, mm-hmm. it also makes me think, well, maybe the conversation about not just patient mindset, but also doctor mindset is also starting to shift. Because mm-hmm. one of the phrases I like to use a lot is energy and trains unto itself. What we give our attention to leads to more of that same kind of thing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. as one person starts focusing on it, it has an effect on the next person. It just yeah. kind of passes mm-hmm. along over time. Well, and I learn things from patients all the time, too, you know, because my patients sure. are out there researching and, you know, and finding more information for themselves. And then they'll come and say, you, have you ever heard about this or you ever heard about that? And I'm like, huh, no. And then I'm, I'm immediately like Googling it for myself. You know, what is <laughs> <Right>. this? And <laughs> yeah. and it, that's, that's what I was going to say is I think, you know, especially what in the last five, even 10 years, but the the beauty of everybody having internet access to everything, you know, can be painful at times because Mm -hmm. Dr. Google has the answer for everything. Right. Right. But I think it can also be helpful. And that's something that, um, you know, when we, when we go back 20 years or more, the only way to get um, information or for doctors to learn new stuff was to go to a conference you know, or read these journals that would come in that were very, I mean, they would put you to sleep in a heartbeat. Like they were so boring. <laughs> it's nice uh, to hear that a doctor is actually bored by that too. That's great. You know, read these journals, right? So you would go to a conference and that's how you learned, or you had the drug rep come in and bring you lunch and mm. they taught you all about their, the study that this drug, you know, was, was in. And, and so for doctors to make a decision, like I made a decision that I searched and I found this conference on natural hormone balancing and bioidentical mm. hormones. And that piqued my interest enough for me to, you know, take the time off work to, to get a plane ticket out to San Diego, California and spend three days doing this. Right. That's a lot of effort for most doctors who yeah, sure. don't want to take time away or can't or whatever the case is. And so, um, you know, I think that the benefits of being able to search for some of this stuff and, and find evidence through, um, you know, PubMed or whatever it is we might have access to that's, that's sharing more of this integrative or, you know, supplemental approach that's going to help doctors gather that information without having to go so much out of their way to learn more about it. Oh, mm-hmm. that's, that's good. So there's, there are words of encouragement there. And that's, that's a yeah. nice way to kind of start wrapping this up. We are running out of time. Before <laughs> we part company for the day, though, I want to give people the opportunity to find out where they can find out about you, about your book. Yeah. If they have questions, how do they reach out? Give, give people an idea of where do they find out about Dr. Duffy. Awesome. So my website is amyduffymd.com, and it's spelled A-I-M-E-E. So they can see that, on, I think, on the screen. Um well, so actually, most of the listeners are 99% listen to it. They don't see anything. Okay. So you actually, it's good to spell it out. So it is A-I-M-E-E-D-U-F-F-Y-M-D.com. Um, that is my personal website. Um, and then there's links there to different things. So there's a link to my book. So my book is called Normal Doesn't Have Side Effects, and that's available on Kindle and very quickly should be available for print um, as well. And then my office is Carolina Integrative Medicine. And we are in Clemson, South Carolina. Um, I am licensed in North Carolina as well. But we do a lot of virtual stuff too. So, you know, even if you're a patient in California or, you know, South Dakota or whatever, that doesn't mean that you can't connect with us and learn a little bit more about what we do. I'm not licensed to practice medicine in those places, but I can be a health coach. Um, and I can, I can recommend things. I can't prescribe mm-hmm. anything to you, but you could still, um, have the, have the data with the labs and we can talk about, you know, dietary changes and supplements and stuff you can do. And, you know, maybe we can help you find the type of physician that, that you might need in your area if you did need some sort of prescribing of hormones or whatever it is. So, you know, we, we can help you far away if needed, but, um, you know, that helps some degree to start understanding what is integrative medicine. Um, our website has lots of information from that perspective on on how to find us or how That's to learn more about integrative medicine. So Love that. thank you for that. Jody. I think we've actually uh, learned quite a bit today, right? Oh, yeah. This is a beautiful conversation. And it's just awesome. it gives me hope that that it, things are going to change and that there is people that you can find out there to support you on this journey that are a little bit more open and want to have a fluid relationship 
in this in this way between the doctor and the patient and um yeah it's just it's beautiful thank you for what you're doing dr duffy thank you I very much it. appreciate it. Yeah, and we, we appreciate you taking the time to, to share this with us on the show because, like yeah. you said, your time is valuable. It's limited. Yeah. So you took the time to share with us and very, very much appreciate it. We really do appreciate mm-hmm. it a lot. And we appreciate our listeners as well. So thank you all of you who are listeners continue to be listeners as you have been all these years. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.